Welcome to the Hidden White Podcast, episode 1051, my interview with Jonathan Robinson, and we're discussing the Enlightenment Project. Enjoy. Hey, Jonathan, welcome to the Hidden White Podcast. Great to have you back. Third time around. Ah, fantastic. Practically family. I'm good. Doing good. Keep them writing. You've just written a new book, The Enlightenment Project, aligned with your website too, yeah? Yep. Subtitle, How I Went From Depressed to Blessed, and you can too. So um, lots of interesting stories, very entertaining read, but a lot of methods too to help other people on the journey of self-discovery, I suppose, and and finding a joyful life. I think of it as like the greatest hits. I've been very lucky, Lee, that I have interviewed 100 spiritual leaders, ranging yeah. from the late Mother Teresa, Ram Dass, Wayne Dyer, to Deepak Chopra and the Dalai Lama. Yeah, wow. But t- tell me, how do you, how does someone go go about um, getting themselves in front of one of these these figures? Well, when I have a podcast like you, in which I interview a lot of them, called Awareness Explorers. Um, but you know, I was doing a book where I was interviewing spiritual leaders, and once they heard I'd interviewed one, you know, one of their peers, they were then, oh, I guess I'll join that club. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, but there's, it's, a, there's, there's one funny story I'll tell you. You know, yeah, back in 1993, I wanted to interview Mother Teresa, and there was no internet, so, you know, how do you reach her? I had no idea. So I went to the library and got a number for Sisters of Charity in Calcutta, which was an organization she had started. And, you know, calling India in 1993 and getting anybody was like calling the space station and having somebody pick up, you know. So I I call this number and a woman answers and I say, hey, I'm I'm Jonathan from the United States. I want to interview Mother Teresa for a book I'm doing. And the woman says, yes, this is Ma. I said, yeah, Ma, do you know a way I can contact Mother Teresa? And the woman says, yes, this is Mother Teresa. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, I interviewed her and uh, it was wonderful. I, I couldn't believe that I had gotten that lucky. Uh, yeah. And then she she gave me the number for the Dalai Lama. So I guess I have been very blessed in that way. That's amazing, huh? Yeah. And, and the Dalai Lama too. How did you find interviewing the Dalai Lama? Well, he was in town uh, where I was. I knew he was going to be in town. So once I had the number of his assistant... We arranged a time. They only gave me 15 minutes, but he and I kind of liked each other. He has a wonderful sense of humor. Mm. And so uh, ended up being an hour and a half. And yeah. there was a lot of laughing. He's, he's very childlike and very, it's like being in the presence of a saint. All right. So when you go into an interview like that, 15 minutes, um, obviously went for an hour and a half, got lucky again. Yeah. What what do you sort of I mean? How do you pick a question or questions to ask in in such a short time frame? Actually, I I don't think ahead. You know, yeah. if you're fully present, that's really what enlightenment is about. That you're not in the past, you're not thinking about the future. You're fully present here, and I think when we are like that, we have the greatest chance of success of of connecting with someone of really learning something. And so that's kind of what I did in that situation. And I tried to do in the interviews I do as well. 
So did you go in rehearsed or, I mean, just had no idea what I was going to say. Curious about awareness and enlightenment. I mean, that's what you've been doing, right? I mean, we last interviewed you probably a couple of years ago now, episode 696. And, um, you know, you were talking about awareness then. That was the topic of conversation. So this has been your almost life's journey, this this topic of enlightenment. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's kind of like letting people know they have a billion dollars in the bank, but they haven't known that they have access to it. Because mm-hmm. once you know yourself as awareness, you can get into a deeper peace and love yeah. available anytime. But most people, they're using methods that are like 2,000 years old. And, you know, we don't use computers more than 20 years old. So why are we using spiritual methods that are 2,000 years old? A lot of the best methods I find have been basically invented in the last three years. So when you talk about a method that's 2,000 years old, can you give us an example of that? Yeah, yoga, uh, okay. uh, Vipassana meditation, um, prayer. Those aren't bad methods, but they don't work that well in today's world. What we need is stuff that works in like five minutes or less. That so gives why do people... they not work in, in today's world? Is it because we're too distracted and things are moving so fast now that we don't, I mean, that method of yoga or things that I guess a lot of people would, uh, and I guess myself included, I'd perceive them as as taking a long time. You know, sitting yeah. down, I do a breathing method at the moment, that takes me about half an hour. Um, and I give myself that opportunity to take that time. But for a lot of people, that would be too long, right? Too long and maybe not impactful enough. Right. So nowadays people want an experience right away and they often don't have half an hour or an hour a day to meditate. Hmm. So in the Enlightenment Project book, I try to give you know the, the greatest hits of the methods that don't take more than you know five or ten minutes. The greatest hits, the five-minute <laughs> methods. Well, when you've interviewed everybody, that's what I do. I say, what's your best method for feeling deep peace or love or bliss that doesn't take longer than 10 minutes? Mm. And people keep inventing stuff that's really good. In fact, um, I want to give your audience a bunch of free stuff if they want it. Yep. Uh, at awarenessexplorers.com, I have in the, in the navigation bar the word meditations. And when I talk to somebody like the Dalai Lama or the Deepak Chopra or whoever, I ask them, give me your best 10-minute guided meditation. And some of them are really fantastic. They're all free on that site. And on my personal website, theenlightenmentproject.net, I have my five quickest ways to awaken to inner peace, and that I give that away as an ebook and a guided meditation for free. Because I think people need to get these methods, really experience them, and from that experience, they will see that this is worth putting some time and energy into. Yeah, absolutely. What what got you into um, on this journey? What put you on this journey to enlighten yourself and and this whole idea around awareness. Yeah. Well, two things. I I think uh, the two most common things really, first of all, was a lot of psychological pain. I I was blessed to grow up in a dysfunctional family in which 
Um, there was a huge amount of violence and screaming, and it led to me being very depressed as a teenager and even suicidal. So I thought I would, I couldn't control my family, but I thought maybe I could control my mind and tap within, you know, some peace. So that started it. And then I got into psychedelics at some point, and that showed me that there was another possibility. And from the psychedelics, I, by age 14, got into meditation. Okay. When you, when you say psychedelics um, showed you that there is another opportunity or possibility, what, what do you mean by that? Like that's quite a young age to be getting into psychedelics, um, but obviously you were uh, probably in a deep place there as well. Yeah. Um, well, you know, nowadays psychedelics are getting popular again. You know, things like LSD, magic mushrooms, uh, the drug ecstasy, all these things. Luckily, I was not uh, the type that would abuse those things. I took them very um, in a context of, of great sacredness and had a friend guide me. But it showed me that there's a world outside my head <laughs> that's always thinking and worrying and um, it showed me that there's immense amount of beauty. It showed me that there's a lot of things that I don't know and that bliss and peace were possible. And that's what got me to get interested in meditation because I didn't want to rely on the drugs, but I did want to get back to that place without the drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How does, I mean, can you describe that for someone that perhaps never has um, experienced psychedelics, that experience that you you get to? Well, they will trigger different things in different people. But for me, I remember I wrote down on a piece of paper that, and this was exactly how I felt, that 10 seconds of this experience was worth a lifetime of effort. You know, it's hard to imagine if you haven't experienced it, what it's like to feel one with the universe or what it's like to be filled with bliss or love to a point that you're, it's like every atom in you feels like it's going to explode. You know, I, you know, sex is good. <laughs> if somebody hasn't experienced sex, you'd have some way of describing it, but this was better. And I knew that you know, people like Jesus or the Buddha have said the kingdom of heaven is within, but those are just words. If you've ever like fallen deeply in love, you know how powerful this is. But this was even more intense for me, and I would do anything to get back to that place. But the good news is that even a glimpse once in a while gives your life new meaning and purpose. And, you know, one time I was at a, uh, uh, a ashram in India to visit a guru. And when I sat in front of him, he, you know, looked at me and he said, who are you? And I said, I'm Jonathan from the United States. And he just started laughing and he said, no, who are you really? And, you know, we all play different roles. So I said, I'm a writer, I'm a therapist, I'm a, a husband. And he just kept on saying, no, that's not it. And then being that he was a famous guru, he did something weird, which is like he sent me a beam of energy or something. And I felt so filled with love that I just started crying. And as I'm crying in his lap, he taps me on the head and he said, this love you feel, that's who you really are. 
And your job in life is to find your way back to it. And I think that for all human beings, that's our job in life. Separate from all the other things we do, that's really our purpose. And, and we got to find a way back to that, uh, that place. So when you're talking about this place of love, is that how you describe it, the place of love within? You can describe it as love or bliss, or you can describe it as ecstasy. Different people tune into different vibrations of it. To me, it always feels like a bigger love is trying to move through me. Would, it, would you compare it to this, the state of flow? Um, I it? think the state of flow is another wonderful experience. Hmm. And, you know, just like a radio has different stations, you know, rock music, classical, country, they're all good. And to the extent that we can tune into all these high vibrations, flow is great, love is great, uh, ecstasy is great, uh, awareness is great. But most of us are stuck in like uh, listening to the bad news on the radio. (laughs) And we got to find a way to change that station so we're more receptive to higher vibrations. And don't we just tune into that bad news on the radio all the time these days, it seems? Well, it's, it's always out there. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stations out there, and uh, the bad news is one station, but I call that channel two, the, the world of um, duality. You, me, problems, relationships, money. It's all the world of, of separateness. But yeah. there's another channel, which is channel one, where everything is one. You feel part of everything. And that's a totally different experience of life. And that's also available. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at those two options, channel one, channel two, most of us are probably living in, in channel two, I would think. Um and I guess that that combination of those realities is something that's, I mean, it's desirable, isn't it, really? But it's hard to imagine, too, because all of us are in this, this like, hamster wheel of life, just running, running, taking action, taking action. Um, and I reflect on it a lot, and I was reflecting on it yesterday, uh, talking with a mate about my work and how I was feeling a bit anxious and stressed um, because things are changing at the moment and how I'm starting to also at the same time feel like, it's, it all doesn't really matter. Yes, I care and yes, I love what I do. And as long as I put in this effort and enjoy myself, then it'll be what it'll be, you know. So finding yeah. that, that inner balance there is, is really key, I think, but um, hard, hard to do without awareness, I suppose. Well, when you know how to tap into the background of awareness, it gives you the option that no matter what's happening in the, in the crap show of Channel 2, <laughs> and life is hard. You know that you can always go back to channel one. It's always there. And most people just don't know how to get to it. And they don't know how to get to it quickly and easily. And that's the key because if you know how to get to it quickly and easily, you know, yeah, I mean, you win some, you lose some in the material world. That's how it goes. Yeah. But once you know that there's peace inside and you can get back there, it kind of makes what's happening in the material world a little bit like a monopoly game. You know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. It's just a game. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. I guess thinking about living in the world too, in channel two, uh, that sounds nice, you know, having this, this, 
sort of guru life, awareness, living in a in a cave for weeks. But a lot of people say, I can't do that. You know, I've got a job to do. I've got families to look after. Um, what would you say to that person? Well, luckily, I am that person, meaning, right. you know, I got, I got, you know, a business, I got uh, things to do, I have a wife, I have kids. So that certainly uh, is part of my life. And that's what got me to focus on really simple, quick methods. Yeah. So in the, in the Enlightenment Project, I probably offer about 30 or 40 methods, probably half of them can be done in under two minutes. And if you don't have two minutes, well, you should really change your lifestyle, you know. <laughs> yeah. But most of us have that long. And like, well, let me give one method that has a funny story attached to it. I don't Please. know if I ever told this story. Um, when I interviewed a lot of people, um, a bunch of them mentioned the importance of gratitude. And I thought, well, you know, I'm too lazy to do a gratitude journal. Is there any, any quicker way to tap into gratitude? So... A friend of mine came back from India, and he was like totally lit up, very excited. And I said, well, what's the story? And he said, well, that my guru gave me this magical mantra for feeling gratitude all the time. And I said, really? You know, tell me what it is. And he said, no, you got to go to India to get it directly from the guru. So I always want these great methods. So I go to India. Have you been to India, Lee? No, no. It's a long way away. It's it's hard to travel there. And um, so I travel 18,000 miles. I take a rickshaw. uh, And then I wait in line four hours to talk to this holy man. Finally get a chance to talk to him. I say, you know, I want this mantra for feeling overwhelming gratitude. So in an Indian accent, he says, ah, yes, my mantra is the most powerful on earth. And he leans in to whisper in my ear. And he says, whenever possible, repeat these words. The mantra I give you are the words, thank you. (laughs) So I look at him, I say, that's it? I traveled 18,000 miles to get thank you, that's it? And he looks at me and he says, no, thank, that's it is the mantra you have been using. That makes you feel like you never have enough. My mantra is, thank you, not that's it. That's it will take you nowhere. Well, I was, of course, pissed off and disappointed, but he said, you know, you must say it from your heart. So when you eat good food, say thank you to the universe. When you see your child or a sunset or your pet, say thank you to the universe. Now, that seems like a really stupid idea Mm. or that can't do much. But I mean, think of it. We're talking on the other side of the planet right now. Yeah. We're free and we're giving all your listeners free information that I had to travel 20,000 miles to get, you know, you can think like, well, thank you for air conditioning. Thank you for food. Thank you for my hand moves. And if you do it enough time from your heart, you actually tap into a whole new level of consciousness. Well, everybody has time for that. Mm -hmm. I suppose by doing that too, if you're, if you make it a, a fairly good habit, you're really tapping yourself into the present moment too because I think what, what happens too often is we're going from one to the next to the next to the next without actually pausing, you know. Yeah. Um, so like at the end of this podcast, if I just sat there and said thank you uh, for the opportunity to interview Jonathan and then moved on, you know, rather than just moving on straight away, which is what I typically do. Is that the sort of routine and habit you're in? 
Yeah, that is as much as possible. And then there's, you know, different techniques for different people. There's other really simple techniques that I describe in the book, or, you know, people can get my five favorite at the enlightenmentproject.net for free. Um, they they kind of trick the mind into slowing down and being present. Right. And when you're fully present, like for, here's here's another example. You imagine that you're like just born into this body. You don't know what anything means. You don't know what's in front of you. You don't even know really what a face is so much. There's lots of these colors and sensations and there's uh, warmth or coolness and you're experiencing stuff for like the first time, like you just got here. Well, that mimics being present and being awareness. And there's other things that you can do that are even better at deepening you into nowness, where the future kind of fades away, the past fades away, and you're just really present. And a lot of times that's what people want, like why they fall in love, you know, because that's where they're not thinking about anything other than being with that person fully and the heart expands and you feel sometimes even like you're part of all of nature, all of the world. And I think that's what everybody really wants, but we're going about it in ways that aren't very effective. Mm. What do you think the, the biggest challenges that we face right now are as far as how we're going about things? Well, we've all been kind of hypnotized that if we had more money or the right relationship, then we would eternally be happy. You know, we're fed that line so much that we just think, if only, if only, then I would be happy. But even when you get a lot of money or a relationship, there's still problems in life. The only thing that's really constant is that we are aware. So if you and your breath. So if you can really enjoy your breath or really tap into the deeper levels of awareness, that's where you start to feel happy a lot of the time because mm. those things are always available. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that we don't have to give back. Whereas relationships or jobs or careers or money, that's all things that can come and go that we have no ownership on. Right. And they're hard to control. <laughs> very hard to control, but it's also very, I would think hard to get into the mindset or state where it doesn't bother you by not having it. You know what I mean? Like the thought of, yes, I work hard and I've got some money at the moment and yeah, look, I'll be fine if I don't have it because I'm, I'm aware inside and I've got my breath and you know, my mind I'm in control. But then when you put in that position without it, that adversity, that level of frustration um, may overpower that ability to be present. Yeah, well, it's good to have a little bit of ability to control things in your life, you know, put a roof over your head. Yeah. That's important. But that's like one wing of a plane. The other wing is how to let go and just be. And that's a skill, just like getting good at the material world is a skill. Well, you put those two wings together, being and doing, and you can really soar. If you only have the ability to control things... Uh, it's like one wing of a plane is strong, the other one's weak, and those people often go around in circles and then crash. Yeah, yeah. So what, can you give us one more little five-minute tool that people could take away, like the thank you? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe I'll just do like a, a two-minute guided meditation um, in which people will hopefully settle back into a more peaceful place. Okay. And um, you could do this with your eyes open or closed, probably better if you can close your eyes. And just imagine that you had a big eraser and you could actually erase your feet from the material world. So you're erasing your feet. You might, they might feel tingly or they might feel nothing at all. It doesn't matter. And then erase your lower legs. Erase your upper legs. Erase your pelvis, your lower back, your stomach area, your upper back, your shoulders. And maybe you now feel like you are in your head. But what would happen if you started to erase your head, starting with your jaw, your cheeks, and even your forehead? And as you erase that, imagine your body's erased from the material world. Do you still exist? Well, yeah, because you can't turn off your awareness. It's always there in the background. And if you have thoughts coming out of this void, this awareness, see if you can turn down the volume on those thoughts or turn down the volume or erase them completely so that what's left is just being here now in a silence where you hear sounds, you feel sensations, and what hears them and feels them is this magical thing, this peaceful center of a storm called awareness that's always there in the background. And as you tap into that, you feel more peaceful, more quiet, more still. And that's all it takes. It, there are different methods for different people, Lee, but when you find a method that actually helps to quiet your mind pretty quickly, then you have a friend for life. Mm. So just taking that two minutes out through, through your day. To, and you get, um, better at, you get better at it with practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Absolutely. How many times a day would you sort of do that in your daily routine? Like what's your, what's your meditation routine look like and daily practices look like? Well, I might take a two-minute break like that four or five times a day. So that's like 10 minutes. And then I, uh, the days I'm not too busy, I meditate. Now, when I first started meditating, it was kind of hard. But having done it for a lot of years now, it feels... The best way I can describe it, it feels like an orgasm going through my entire body. Mm. Uh, so now I limit the amount of time that I meditate, that I promise myself I won't meditate for more than an hour because it can get a little bit addictive. Yeah, right. It's a long it's time a lot of to, fun. to meditate there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how would you, like when you go into that deep state of meditation, I mean, how would you describe that? Um. Well, I do different types of meditation that lead to different results. And, and I suggest that people try the same because, you know, just because I don't like broccoli doesn't mean I don't like potato chips. And meditations like that, you know, there's yeah. a lot of different types. You might not like one, but you might like another. Um, I would say 
you know, the best way to describe it would be it's a little bit like when you first fall in love with somebody and your heart's totally open and, and there's just an immense amount of joy moving through me. That's kind of what it feels like at this point. Mm. Okay. So now you have to uh, stop yourself from doing it too often. Yeah, yeah. Huh. It's probably probably not bad advice. <laughs> what's some what's some um what's some events you've had in your life that have led to you to these moments of enlightenment, I suppose, or awakening? Uh, well, you know, I think for a lot of people, they've had moments of awakening. You know, maybe mm. looking at a sunset. <laughs> or falling in love, or in nature, or psychedelics, or even in crisis. So the question isn't, you know, I I think people have them on occasion, but it's very different when you start to have them as a daily occurrence, or even an hourly occurrence. And for me, just stopping and melting into stillness and knowing that that is there really changes how life feels. Um, you just feel like instead of there being a, a victim of all the things I can't control, politics, global warming, uh, fires, all those things, I just kind of feel peaceful. And um, I think you have to find what works for you. One of the ways that works for me, which is kind of funny, is I have two golden retriever dogs who I love immensely. And I'll just like rub them behind the ears and kiss their nose and say how much I love them. And it's almost like loving a saint. You just can totally let go into that love. You know, so that works for me as a major dog lover or meditation works for me. For other people, they might find that they're really present when they garden where they're really present uh, in nature. And I say, whatever does it for you, do more of that. But most people haven't explored that much. So by having the greatest hits in the book, you can see, well, maybe that one will do it for me. And as I said, you know, that can really make a difference in your life. Yeah. And I suppose you've done that by interviewing, you know, over a (laughs) hundred sort of world leaders in this space about their practices and what's worked for them. And you've taken not only on board and shared it out to the rest of the world through your books, but also taken on board your own forms that work for you in your Mm -hmm. lifestyle. I would find a a sort of feel right now, and this is probably not something that's new to this day and age, but something that's always there, um, just, just different in context, but there's a lot of frustrations and things happening in the world and a lot of disaster and fear that's, that's spread. Um, and maybe people would think you're ignorant by not tuning into it. Um, what would you sort of say to them about that? You know, like watching the news, for example, I try to avoid watching the news because I feel like it's it's beyond my control. And, yes, I'm not disinterested in current affairs, but um, I feel like it can affect me immensely in my happiness. Yeah, you know, I, I think you have to learn what works for you. And I do watch the news. And I think it's important not to avoid the pain in the world, but also to not wallow in it. You know, uh, I'm pretty good at feeling the sadness of some things happening in the world, 
but it not sticking to me. Mm. You know, it kind of goes through. And because I meditate or because I've learned what I call the skill of letting go and not thinking about stuff so much that um, it can go through. And if it, if you're not focusing on and thinking about it, the fact that, you know, there's a lot of pain and suffering in the world. Well, we really shouldn't be avoiding that because part of our job as we find, you know, I, you know, I've asked all these people, how, what's the purpose of life? Yeah. You know, I've asked a hundred of them okay. and they all, I stopped asking them because they all gave me the exact same answer. Right. What was that? And for $20, I'll give your listeners. No, I'm, I'm kidding you. But <laughs> the answer, when I asked, what's the meaning or purpose of life? What are human beings here to do? They all say, the first thing you're supposed to do is figure out a way to find peace and love within inside you, however you do that. And once you have some of that peace or love inside you, go out and serve people and serve the world. So as I've learned to tap into peace, I feel kind of rich inside. And so I do have a lot of volunteer work. I teach meditation in prisons. I help build a hospital in Turkey for Syrian refugees. And it's not because I'm such a good person. It's because, you know, if you have a billion dollars in the bank, spending a million dollars is no big deal. If you're feeling good, you want to help people. And I find that um, seeing the suffering in the world helps me know where, where to respond. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So certainly don't shelter yourself from it in order to protect yourself from some sort of bad feeling. But my wife does, you know, because when she hears the news, she gets really impacted and it doesn't serve her. So you have to kind of listen to yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. A lot of, um, would you agree that life is suffering? Would you go along (laughs) the lines of? Well, I have a, a magnet on my refrigerator. That's a quote from the Buddha. And the quote is, uh, don't look for peace in the world. Peace is only within. Right. And I think if you're trying to find peace by, you know, manipulating the people and situations in your life to be just the way you want, well, that's going to be suffering. That's, that's always dissatisfactory. It, it never quite leads to the peace you want because peace isn't found in the material world. It's found within human beings. Right. So essentially we could never find peace globally because that would have to first have every individual in that world and community operational with internal peace. Yeah. And, you know, I'm involved in politics. I want things to go one way and not another. But Mm. I don't put all my hope in that. You know, when you put all your hope in money or that the world's going to change or that your partner's going to change – it's, it's a bad deal. It's like wasted money. It's wasted effort. But when you put mo- some of your energy uh, into what are the best ways to find peace and love within, well, not only do you get some results from that, but as you become a more peaceful, loving person, you affect the world a certain way because, you know, you mm. affect your, your kids, your family, your partners. So I yeah. think it's a, a win-win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and certainly that's um, sort of a question that had uh, looming in the back of my mind there 
about the selfish pursuit of, um, you know, finding that peace within. I think sometimes, uh, I, you know, I feel guilty about taking the time out to to reflect within and, and find that inner awareness um, because I feel like it's it's just giving me me time, you know. Um, but like you just said, I think if you can work on yourself and find that calmness and peace within, when you go out there, you're going to be spreading that love and spreading that peace um, as you go. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Jonathan, where would you and like it's... to leave us? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let me leave it with a, a, a story. Let's see. I have a lot of stories, so I'm trying to think of what to leave it with. Uh, you must have some amazing one. stories with meeting so many people. I have. Uh, and, and, you know, I feel responsibility to get those stories and methods out to people because, you know, I've been so fortunate that way. And yeah. that's one of the reasons why I wrote the Enlightenment Project. Um uh, here, here's a story which is kind of about gratitude as well. Uh, a man goes up to a guru and a voice accustomed to instant obedience. He says, well, if you're so wise, teach me a lesson about heaven and hell. And the guru looks up at the guy and says, I couldn't teach you anything. You're, you're ugly. You're disgusting. You don't have a carrying bone in your body. You, you, are totally insincere. You lie all the time. Why don't you just get out of my sight and stop wasting my time? Well, of course, this infuriates this arrogant man. He gets red in the face. He shakes with rage. And he gets ready to punch the guru in the face. An instant before he throws the punch, the guru says, that's hell. The man realized that this guru risked getting beaten up to teach him this lesson about hell. He unclenches his fists and deep gratitude, he bows to the guru, and the guru says, and that's heaven. Now, what I like about that story is it shows that we create our own heaven or our own hell by how we interpret the things in our life. And if you can tap into making better interpretations, being more present, and learning what helps you to find peace within, then you do create a heaven on earth for yourself and potentially you can pass that on to the people you care about. Yeah. Great story. Eh? Fantastic. Jonathan, um, a pleasure once again for coming on and congratulations to your book, The Enlightenment Project. Um, thank you for sharing. I'm sure the audience has uh, really enjoyed this conversation. Now, um, I- just, just sorry, you go. No, my pleasure. I, I always like how you're putting out great information, Lee. What um, you've mentioned a couple of areas people can go to to find out more information. You've got a few things online. Can you just share those resources with us one final time? Sure. Basically, two things. One is uh, the site for the uh, book is theenlightenmentproject.net, and if you put in your email address, you get a free ebook called "The Five Quickest Ways to Awaken," an audio meditation on the same thing. And you also get the first chapter of the book for free. And uh, then some people might be interested that I have a a podcast called Awareness Explorers, in which I interview spiritual teachers. And I ask them what really works and what what do we need to know? And I have uh, about 110 of those interviews online and uh, people are welcome to that. And that's all free as well. Yeah, fantastic. 
Awesome, guys, check it out. Hidden White Podcast, episode 1051. Um, Jonathan, thanks for coming on today. And guys out there listening, peace, passion, and purpose. Listen. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwhy.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon